Daí, Tigrão! E aí, tudo bem? Beleza, e você? Tudo ótimo, tá E a gente faz em inglês, é isso? A gente faz em inglês, sim. Tá ótimo. Só essas duas frases que eu sei em português, daí, all English. <risos> Perfeito. Ah, uh, but how are you, man? I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm just waiting to go back to New York, but you know, the borders are closed, I can't go get my visa. I need a stamp on my visa to go back to America, so I'm waiting to see when I... When I'm gonna be able to go back to my my house? That's the problem. That's what's going on right now. Me and my girlfriend, we we have the same visa, which is like the for special abilities or it's it's for talent. That's what we have. So mm -hmm. every three months, we need a stamp from the the consulate to go back to America. If we stay for the whole period of the visa, like. It ends in, in 2000, the end of next year. I could stay in America the whole time, but if I leave uh, the country, I need to go to the consulate and do another interview. So the consulates are closed and we cannot get the interview. And when the consulate open, we, have, we will have to spend like 14 days, I don't know, in Mexico or maybe... I don't know, maybe in Canada or something to be able to go back to, to America. Oh my God, that sucks. Oh. Yeah, I know. How long have you been in, some, uh, in Brazil for, by the way? Since the whole thing started. I think it was like the beginning of March, I think. Wow. I think it was like the end of February or beginning of March. It was like, it was on that time. Yeah, it's a long time, man. And I'm paying rent in New York and my rent is expensive as fuck. Oh my God! Are you living yeah. in Midtown or where in Manhattan? I'm living in Manhattan. I'm living in uh, in this uh, neighborhood called Murray Hill. Okay. It's on the. It's like six blocks from the Times Square. It's like it's very well located. So that's why it's so expensive. And when I left the U.S., dollar was like three point two reais. And now it's like 5.6. So it's, it's fucked up. God, I know. I just looked at that today. I also, I worked right by Times Square. I actually didn't live in New York because it's so darn expensive. So I lived next uh -huh. to Newark in okay. Elizabeth. How do you go uh, to work? Bus or train? I was taking the train. Yeah. My wife and I, Wait, we both took the train to get into to the city. What is, what is New York? It's like... Is in Jersey? Yes. Newark's in Jersey. It's so it's like maybe 20 minute train ride from Penn Station to get to Newark. Wow. But you can also take the path too. I don't know if you've taken the path to get to Jersey City or Hoboken. What is that? The the path is like a special train that it, it's more like a metro, but you can go from World Trade Center. They have a stop and then Herald Square, Herald Circle, Herald Square, right okay. by like kind of by Penn Station, but a little east. And so you can take the path train and I think it, you can use your metro card. So it's still um, same thing, but then it goes underground and underwater and goes into so Jersey. You, so are you there right now? 
No, two years ago, my wife and I, we moved to Arizona, to Phoenix. Oh, okay. So, but uh, it's probably much cheaper, right? Oh my God, yeah. When we were looking at apartments here, for the same price that we paid in in New Jersey next to Newark, which was still cheaper than New York. It was, uh-huh. they were like, you get a parking spot, you get a pool, you get a dishwasher, you get all this stuff. And we're like, oh my God, for the for a little less than what we were paying uh-huh. for. So it was like a resort. So is she able to work remotely as well? So you guys both work remotely, right? Yes. And awesome, she, man. I'm, the, I'm a gringo and then she's from Curitiba. Okay. So, so you met her here or you guys met there? We met in Newark. Okay. I was learning Portuguese with Rosetta Stone. And uh-huh. I thought, I decided, because I worked for Rosetta Stone, and I thought, okay, which language could I learn here? And I thought about, I speak Italian already with a last name like Setani. You've got to speak Italian. Uh-huh. My family's Italian. I lived over there for a little bit. But then I thought, okay, for another language, cause should I go Spanish? And then I thought, you know what? Every white guy in America or like every American says they speak Spanish. Portuguese seems like it could be around the same difficulty, uh-huh. but not a lot of people speak it. So I'll try and go for that. And then I also had a lot of friends from Newark because Newark has one of the biggest Brazilian communities I know. I know. outside I know. of I know. Brazil. So I know. Yeah. Yeah. And so I it's decided. huge, but it's crazy. Cause like that's, uh, the, 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 People, Brazilian people who live in New York, most of them don't even speak English. So they're like construction workers. They're, they're yeah. like, they're from the people. Yeah. They are yeah. there to get some money and go back to Brazil. That's what, that's what they're plan. Like spend a few years, get some money, help their family here and then go back. So yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's really that's interesting. Why, that's why we don't have, that's why we don't have like, second generation Brazilians or third generation Brazilians because it's never their plan to be in America for the rest of their lives. They stay for a while and then they leave. So that's why it's kind of difficult. Like that's the the problem that I have with comedy right now. Like when I do, I don't know, my my when I headline a club, I don't know, in Columbus, Ohio, okay, most of the people who goes to watch me are Brazilians. But it's almost kind of weird that I'm doing the show in English because they're all from Brazil. They want to speak Portuguese. So it's the opposite of any other country. Like when you're from India or you're from Mexico or when you're from, I don't know, uh, any other country, the people who goes watch you, they are living in America. They're fa- they're their parents uh, moved there a long time ago. So they are Americans. That's the problem that I have now. Like Brazilians are so close together. They, they walk with the same people. They hang around with the same group of guys. So it's like, it's difficult for me to reach the American audience. Got right, it? Right, right, right. Exactly. So that's what I am right now. I'm... I'm trying to uh, to build an audience in the U.S., which is kind of difficult for Brazilians because we don't have that. We don't have generations. We don't have like 
most of the Brazilians who go watch my show, they go with their friends who are also Brazilian. So it's not like they can uh, send my link to a friend or anything. So that's, yeah, that's, that's crazy. It's okay. It's, it's really funny, though. And you know what? Before we go any further, we are recording, but I'll go ahead and introduce us. Hello, everybody. This is a Comedy Advice Podcast. My name is Stefan Satani, and I'm your host. Joining me today, that lovely Brazilian voice that you guys are hearing is a special guest. He's a pioneer of stand-up in Brazil and is now doing stand-up in the U.S., like he had mentioned. He was named the most influential person on Twitter in 2011, according to the New York Times, and Joe Rogan called him the Lenny Bruce of Brazil. Everybody, please welcome. <laughs> Rafinha. No, Rafi Bastos. Yes. Uh, I had to change my name in America because it was so difficult for MCs to say the NH that we have in Portuguese. <laughs> it's so, so I was I was gonna ask uh, you about that too, because I feel like yeah. maybe it's just a name change to you. I'm not sure, but I know that Americans were not we get a little tripped up on the R too when somebody's like, yes. Oh, my name's Hafi or Hafinha. We're like, Whoa, 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 is it a J? Yes. What's going on? And then the NH. Exactly. That was the whole issue. So the thing is I I don't care what's my name. I just want to do shows. So, you know, it's not something for my ego or anything. I just want to make li uh, people's lives as simple as I can. So they were having problems with saying, Rafael, the, uh -huh. <laughs> this sound is very difficult. So when I used to ask them to say Rafinha, I could see that they were having... I would give them work. You know, I always give them a hard time with my name. So I was like, you know what? Yeah. I know it's going to sound a little uh, almost stupid. I'm going to change my name. I'm 43 years old, but you know what? <laughs> Fuck it. Let's help them. I don't want them to be afraid to say my name or apologizing after saying my name wrong. Or every time I go on stage, I have to correct the guy. I don't want to. You know what? Call me Carl. I don't care. I just want to do <laughs> jokes. It's okay. Call me John. Fuck it. I just want to go on stage and, and do jokes. That's it. Oh, man. Yeah, I saw a video last week of when you got the Shorty Awards. And I think it was Hannibal Buress was saying, uh -huh. he's like, the winner is Bastos. Come on board. <laughs> exactly. So that's that's why I don't want to. So you saw that, that that was happening in every show. So I was like, you know what? Let's change my name. It's okay. You know, and then I did, and I did, and I it helped them. So mm -hmm. people, you know, comedians, my friends and everything, they know me as Rafi, which is kind of weird for me to have a new name after <laughs> I reached the 40 year old mark, but it's okay. I also wanted to ask about going back to the origins. I know that you're a huge deal in Brazil and wanted to talk about that in a second, but your origins, you started out or you were born in Porto Alegre, like way yeah, in the Porto south. Yeah, Porto Alegre, of... which is a city in the south. Uh, uh, it's far away from Sao Paulo and, uh, and Rio de Janeiro. It's not a small city. We have like one million and a half people living there. So it's, it's a good place to have your, uh, uh, your childhood. So it was, but I always dream of having like a career outside of the city. I started, I, I studied journalism and mm -hmm. I graduated in journalism. Never, kind, I never knew exactly what I wanted to do in journalism because 
while I was in college, I was also playing basketball, which was, it was like, my dream was to be a basketball player, not a comedian. Comedian is something that happened. My dream was to play ball. If I was playing ball, I wouldn't be making jokes at all. But maybe I, <laughs> but maybe I wasn't that good to have a career. So comedy just showed up on my door. But I, uh, but I but I moved from Porto Alegre in two thousand and I think it was two thousand and two or three, and I moved to São Paulo. That's when everything started for me. Now, did you? By the way, this is a totally random question, but do you nope. drink chimarrão? I don't. Okay, I got it. Uh, Go I really don't understand why people drink that shit. <laughs> it's it's like a hot tea. Everybody do it. I never understood. And th- these are those things where when you try for the first time, you don't like it. Mm-hmm. And then people say to you, okay, but we will learn to like it. And I always ask myself, why you have to learn to like something that is not going to bring it? It's not like you're... It's not like a protein shake that is going to help your body or anything. It's just a dirty water. It's not going to make any difference in your organism. So I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> That's so funny because now I, we stopped a, a while ago, but we were drinking uh. every day Shimaha, which like you, Rafi, explained, for all of the listeners that don't know what it is, it's like a yerba mate. Hot or cold? Hot. Hot, okay. Because yeah. hot yeah. is from the south. Uh, Nordeste, how do you say Nordeste in English? Oh, the Northeast. The north on the northeast, they drink cold, which is even worse. But I don't know. Is it terere? Terere, yeah, it's the okay. same thing, but cold. Jeez, that's crazy. Yeah, my yeah. I remember the first time I went to Brazil. My wife's family they live in Curitiba, but they're from the south in Santa Catarina in the, oh, the cool. region below nice. Paraná. So they, uh-huh. they woke us up and they're like, hey, guys, time for Shimahão. And so we uh-huh. all go up and I'm like, and I see this steaming mug with uh, with this like very bitter, bitter hot water. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, it, it might burn your boil your lips. So just be careful. And I'm like, what is this? And then exactly like you said, Rafi, they were like, you're not going to yeah. like it the first time, but you're going to learn to love it. And I'm like, you're not going to like it. There's a small chance that you have a, like a, a, an accident that's going to change your whole face. But you know what? Just try it. Maybe that's going to be something good for you. I don't know. Oh. But anyway, so, so you studied journalism. You ended up playing yes. basketball. I, I'll loop back to the journalism because I feel like the journalism, do you feel like it helped you with being oh, you with did observe it observing and being better at comedy by being able to be attentive to things it, it, yeah that's exactly what where helped me like looking looking a little beyond on the news and uh trying to see what's really interesting in a story that you're listening and kind of teach me how to how to i don't know how to tell stories in short forms which is comedy. Stand-up is the shortest way for you to communicate. And you have to make even shorter for you to be like, to make your bits uh, mm-hmm. sharper. So I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm meticulous when I write jokes. I change words and I try in different ways. And I, it's almost uh, uh, math. It's math when you're doing, when you're writing a joke. 
So I think journalism kind of helped me a little bit with those two things. Mm -hmm. And at what point did you start to learn English? In 1999, I got a scholarship to play basketball in a college in America. I played in a school in Nebraska for just a little bit. It wasn't that long. I studied for like six months or something. I did like one semester and I got injured and I had to go back to Brazil. But I kind of, uh, that helped me a lot when I spent a a little time in America. I always had the dream or have of having a career in the US first with basketball and now with comedy which is kind of crazy cuz uh I got a scholarship to play basketball which is a dream for everybody that plays that plays for everyone that plays a sport have a scholarship to study and also practice your sport and competing in a high level it's a dream for anyone and uh and I got injured and I went back to Brazil to have surgery. And I decided not to go back to America. Mm. Because that's very specific. I don't, I don't even know if this is interesting or not. But no, no. When I, when, I, when, I, uh, when I went to America to, to, to study, to, to go and study on college, I was already graduated in college in Brazil. Okay. I did journalism. So I went to America to study and play. But the, the, the problem was uh, I couldn't tell them that I already did college, that I already had done college. Wow, that's very difficult. Had done. That's, you know, <laughs> I, I feel proud of myself. <laughs> Sometimes when I use like difficult verbs, I get proud of myself and I have to breathe a little. Mm, you're killing Rafi. But, uh, <laughs> Beijinho no ombro. Little, Beijinho little shoulder kiss. No. Yes. So I had to lie. Basically, I had to lie and I had to tell them, you know what? I just finished high school and now I'm doing college. Because the thing is, when you start doing college anywhere in the world, a clock start to tick. Mm-hmm. So you have five years to play a sport. So I had to tell that, that you know what? I never did college. I'm, this is my first time. I just study. So I gave them my high school transcripts. So I felt in that, that whole period that I wasn't learning anything because I was already graduated in college. <laughs> and I was like studying math and studying, I don't know, English and study geography and biology because that's how college is in America. Like you have two years of basic courses, and that yes. was yes, that was kind of stupid. So I felt <laughs> that I wasn't developing mental, mentally. I was just developing in, uh, on 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 a court. So I decided to not go back to America, and I regretted that decision for a long time because that was my dream to play basketball in America. So mm-hmm. I never thought that I would have a second a second run in America. And now that's what I'm doing with basketball. And which is kind of crazy because or stand up. Uh, for stand-up, yeah. With yeah. comedy. Yeah. So it's like I'm having a second chance to uh conquer something that I didn't do when I got injured. The, uh, I had a chance to clean the whole story. That's what I'm feeling right now. And you know what? I love the verb. I love the words. Good job, Rafi. Your your English is 
Am I'm I doing fascinated. good? You're, no, your English is amazing. I've heard you on several podcasts, both Portuguese and English. And I feel like I, I wanted to save this for later. But I, when I was watching you on Joe Rogan, he had said the same thing. He doesn't know of any comedians that didn't speak English, came from another country, and are doing what you're doing. Like, you were a regular at the Comedy Cellar, which is yeah. incredibly tough to do. And yeah. it's it's just something that's remarkable and a great, like you said, a second chance. And you said conquering, too. And I feel like going back to Brazil you really conquered the comedy scene there and you were a pioneer of the st the style of stand up and bringing american styles to brazil and i wanted to ask it sounded like through that basketball trip you started to see brian regan and some other comedians and were like hey this is yes. a little different from what we've got in brazil yeah cuz that was kind of crazy for me cuz the only comedy I wouldn't say the only type of comedy, but the, the comedy that we knew in Brazil, like in, in the 80s right. or the late 70s, was the characters, the impersonators, you know, the guy who puts, a, he puts on a wig and he is, I don't know, a crazy <laughs> woman or a drunk man or a guy from the country. So a country guy or he play a teenager and he changed his voice. It's the same type of comedy that we that people see all over the world in the Mexican channels. The Latino, that's the Latino comedy. That's the type of comedy that we, that's the only type of comedy that we would, that you used to see on TV. Mm -hmm. But I lived in America. I was a journalist. I didn't have that much connection with the characters, the, 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 the characters comedy. I don't know how to say this, but that type of comedy. Oh yeah. So yeah I, no, that's right. That's right. I couldn't I couldn't connect with that type of comedy. So when I went to America and I saw this guy, which was like I used to see those guys like Louis C.K. and uh Brian Regan and Jim Gaffigan on those uh, Comedy Central presents. It was like 30 minute specials that they used yeah. to do. And uh Ted Alexandro, those guys, and and I was like, oh, that's crazy because He's not playing a character. He's telling stories about his life. He's giving his perspective about different subjects. But that's him. He's mm -hmm. not playing anyone. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. That, this is something that I would love to do. Because I was always this guy. Uh, I wouldn't do jokes. But I would do like funny observations in class, in dinner tables. That was me. Nice. And I was like, you know what? I already have that type of comedy. I, I'm sarcastic. I have the irony. I think that could be something. And when I came back to Brazil, it was like 1999. I started to study and pay attention. We didn't have YouTube. So there was nowhere to find uh, stand-up. I couldn't find anywhere. We, I couldn't watch. There was a friend of mine that used to have CDs with WMV files that we could watch little little pieces and stuff. And uh, But I was like, that could be something. So when I went to mm -hmm. Sao Paulo, 2003, I met a few people and we started to do it, which wow. was crazy because at the end of every show, I remember at the end of every show, there was always someone that was a little skeptical if I was really this Jew from Porto Alegre or <laughs> was I playing a character. Every, at the beginning of every show, 
the MC would have to explain what stand-up was because people didn't know. Wow. Wow. And, and so once they explained the reaction, they were still in bewilderment of, oh, is this really a Jewish guy from Porto Alegre? Or There was it, some doubts. Uh, uh -huh. It looked, of course, we didn't, we didn't know how to do. Right. We didn't know. We right. were learning. Can you, can you imagine? There was no one that I could ask. Well, I could right. have, there was not even one person I could ask, oh, what do you think about this joke? That was like Marcelo Mansfield, which was like a comedian that used to do shows with that still does shows with a very good friend of mine. And we used to we used to run jokes. But you know what? It was kind of it was almost impossible to know if those things were funny or not. We had to test in front of the audience. It's still the same thing. It's not different today. I still have to test the joke to see if it's right. funny or not. But now. I already know a little bit what's going to work or not. I would say that 80% of the times now, I kind of uh, uh, acerto. How do you say? Like, I, I acerto. Oh, like I, I get I, it right? I get I, it right. Or like I nail 80, it. 80% of, no, 80% of the times now when I pass the joke, I think, oh, it's funny. 80% of the times, it is actually funny. Nice. If I think, oh, it's not that funny, but I will try. 80% of the time, it is, it is not funny. At that time, man, it was like zero. We had to step on stage and to see, you know, is this funny? Because I'm not going to do a weird voice. I'm not going to move my head to make it funny. I'm not yeah. going to scream. I'm just going to say this. Because this is the type of comedy that I do. I'm not like this guy who makes things funny on, in the way that I say. So I need to develop my material. So it was very difficult at the, at the beginning. Now, then, of course, now stand-up something is a word that people use every day in Brazil. I'm going to watch stand-up. Did you see the new stand-up special? That word, it was almost like implemented by, by a group of four or five guys. That is amazing. And I was also going to say, beyond the inability to be able to see, okay, did this land? Is this a good joke or not? Trying to test it all out. You guys also were doing stand-up in places that are not, because there were no stand-up clubs before you had um, set up comedians or comedians in Sao Paulo. So where were yeah. you guys performing stand-up? Uh, the first show that we did, <laughs> it was 2003, I think. We used to do our shows every, I think it was every Monday or Tuesday, because that was always like the days where the club wouldn't open. So uh -huh. they were like, okay, let's try this thing on a Tuesday, because, you know, we are not <laughs> open. If they bring some people, we are going to get some money. And, uh, and the first club that we did was like a BDSM club. <laughs> oh my god yeah you would go to the bathroom and that was like the bathroom was all like how do i say forrado like on the wall there's like oh, a like lot of plastered on the wall just yes pictures of pussies like, <laughs> and if you go to the men's bathroom was like dicks and, and oh my guys god. and ass ass of guys and 
That was the first place that we did our show. That's that's like the the one place where you guys aren't in costume, but the audience is in like leather. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they, they weren't in costumes because we were bringing the audience. But uh, yeah, but the, probably on Saturday there was a lot of spanking and <laughs> and a lot of things would happen on that place. But that that was where we started. And at first we had to convince bars and clubs to give us an opportunity and when when youtube uh was launched it was like 2005 that's when people started to notice us and started to pay attention at us because stand-up was perfect for youtube at that time and it still is there's a lot of views on youtube because it's short short clips uh short jokes you don't spend that much time listening to a story there's already joke in the first seven or eight seconds so it keeps it keeps you uh entertained during the whole video so we started posting like two minute videos and three minute videos and that thing started to grow and it became the scene that it is today wow and in what year did you guys start up comedians the the club Comedians was 2010. Okay, 2010. 2010. Wow. Yeah. So there's a little bit of gap between then. Oh, and... yeah, yeah. It took, it took some time. There was already another club that was open. It's called Beverly Hills. It closed already. But that club was also like uh, the whole week was dedicated to comedy. But the first club that was constructed, like it was constructed, construct, construido, how do you yeah. say? Was uh, built. 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 Yeah. yeah, it was built to be a comedy club. That was our, our comedy club, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. I also, I Googled it just to see what it would look like and everything. The design is is simple but genius, where the A is like a spotlight that has yeah. the microphone and, at the front of the it, building. The only thing is that, unfortunately, with this whole pandemic, we shut down. We had to shut down oh, for man. good. For no, good. yeah, for good. Oh man, for man. good. Which is okay, you know. Which is okay. It's all good. It was like, man, to have a business in Brazil, it's very difficult. Business closes like every single day, and we were open for almost ten years. So oh. it was a huge success. But our plans, like there was me and other two two uh, partners, partners, socios, is that right? Partners? Yeah, partners, yeah, yeah. I had two partners on the club and our lives changed. I'm living in America. The other guy has a TV show and the other partner has another uh, ventures. So we decided to close and it was the best thing because, man, that's a lot of people suffering, paying employees, paying rent during this pandemic and it's it has been very difficult to survive and nobody knows when are we going to be when are we going to be able to do comedy shows like we used to do because if you think about it comedy clubs are closed space Mm -hmm. are all done in closed spaces no windows People all stuck together. They're all close to each other, laughing. So if you want to get COVID, that's the place to go, you know? <laughs> yeah, so people I laughing, like, ha, ha, spreading yeah, the germs. Yeah. yeah, so 
I don't know. I don't know when we are going to be able to to step on stage again the way we used to. Yeah, that is really tough. Oh, well, bringing it back up to a a, a sublime note, I wanted to talk a little bit about because I feel like Americans we're we're very insulated, so we don't look at people much outside of the country. But I feel like you. Obviously, I'd mentioned it earlier. In 2011, the New York Times said you were the most influential person on Twitter. You beat the Dalai Lama and Barack Obama. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dalai Lama. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. <laughs> so, uh, I, I mean, obviously, you were a huge success and still are a huge success in Brazil. You've got like 12 million followers on Twitter, 1.5 million followers on Instagram. And you've been I'm not the movies. same. So I, I'm not the same success that I was ten years ago. But I said I still relevant. Yeah, I, I I would say that I'm still a little bit relevant. Things changed a little. I'm still right. always working, and uh, and I still have a lot of people that follow me and like my work and uh, and watch everything that I do. And now is following this journey in America. So I'm blessed, man. I have a lot of cool people uh, behind me. That's really cool. And I wanted to talk a little bit about your journey in America. But um, before that, I also just wanted to ask too, with all these followers and everything, I saw a video because you, you have your YouTube channel as well. And I saw one of the videos that was Abrindo o Coração, opening uh -huh. your heart, talking a little bit about that because I was wondering, man, this has got to be a challenge of you've got this massive following in Brazil. You're starting yeah. to cultivate this following in the U.S., Uh -huh. Americans don't really speak Portuguese. A lot of Brazilians don't speak English. How are you going to find a balance? And it sounds like you're starting to listen to your followers a little bit to, to see, because you've also got some little bits about politics that you talk about, uh -huh. sports uh -huh. and things like that. So you're like, hey, guys, what do you think about this? Which I think is awesome. Yes. But, you know, the thing is, that's what I say in the video. Uh, if you're still my fan today, after everything that I've been through, It means that you know me for a long time. And, uh, and I always decided all the old decisions that I made was based on what I wanted to do. And I think now, you know, it's time for me to listen to what people want. It doesn't mean that I'm going to uh, do exactly what they want from me, but I think it's good for me to listen to what people want. Now we are very divided as a country, like talking about politics. And uh, right. it's difficult because when you talk about politics, Some people, uh, there's a lot of backlash, which I never care. But now I was thinking, I don't know if I add up that much to the conversation, talking politics instead of doing comedy, which is what people like me to do. But then, mm -hmm. you know, what? I did that video and a lot of the, the, the feedback was always like, I like you when you're serious as well. I don't follow you because of your comedy. I follow because it's you. I like you. doesn't matter what you're doing. I like you. I, I share the, the, some views. Sometimes I don't agree with you, but I like to listen to what you have to say. So, but the, uh, there are two different challenges. The challenge of, do I stay 100% comedian or do I open myself to talk about other, other subjects, which... Uh, which is uh, what I have been doing for a long time. Uh, and the other thing is the American run. That thing, I have to confess, Stephen, I didn't figure out yet. How can I, uh, 
how can I do it? Because, you know, when I moved from Porto Alegre to Sao Paulo, I forgot about Porto Alegre and I focused on my journey in Sao Paulo. It was another step on my life. I didn't look back, okay? But now, everything that I built is here and I'm proud of it. I'm proud to have people following me and I can't just simply forget about them. Oh, no, now I'm American. And I, and I don't even think this is arrogance. If I would do that, I don't think it would be arrogance. Because you know what? People maybe would understand, you know, he's, he's trying something new and he has to focus on it. But I like to do things in Portuguese as well. And this is my home. I would never just quit. That's mm-hmm. where my audience is. I like to do it. But when I do things, I'm talking about like social media, okay? Right. Because when I'm on stage at the cellar in New York, I'm talking and I'm doing jokes for Americans. I'm not doing jokes for Brazilians. Sometimes there's a Brazilian, one or two that goes there to watch me, but they know that I am doing stand-up in English for uh, for the world, not for only for Brazilians. They know that. Right. That's why my my content, my my jokes on stage, they are not all because uh, I don't talk. Oh, I am from Brazil that much. I have a few jokes to kind of uh, explain to people who I am or who am I? Or who I am? That's who I am. You know, who, who I am? And uh, and then I do my jokes. My point of view of the American culture, that's how I see and how I built my material. I want them to laugh at themselves from the point of view of a foreigner, of an immigrant. That's what I do. And so they get it. Uh, But I don't know exactly how I am going to build that audience. Because now if I post something in English... My my audience is gonna be there for me. My audience is gonna uh, comment. If you if you saw my Instagram in English, ninety five percent of the people there they are Brazilians, and they want to follow my journey in America. It's not that mm-hmm. I'm lying to them because I still have my my Instagram right. in Portuguese and everything else. Right. But I think now it's time for me to focus on building an audience outside of Brazil. I gave myself two years to learn how to do in English, to be comfortable on stage, to build uh, a material, to build uh, 45 or 50 minutes of material that I trust. And now it's time for me to focus uh, on building an audience outside of my reach outside of my reach that's but it's kind of difficult you know because now i am competing with people that have that are doing stand-up for the past 60 years you know stand-up is something lenny bruce is from the i don't know the 60s -hmm. there are people doing stand-up even before him so this is an art form that is uh that is old in america so, of course, I'm not the best one. I am doing well, but I am a good comedian. I'm not the one that you're going to watch and then uh, a special or something 
And then you're going to say, wow, that's something completely different. You're going to laugh because I'm good. But I, I'm not George Carly. You know, I'm not Louis C.K. So when I post a joke now in English, if the Americans watch my thing, I want them to see something really, really special. So that's what, you know, I'm, I'm still a little... Uh, Boyando na água, floating oh, a little floating. bit, you know? Yeah. I'm floating yeah. a little bit, trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I want to be sincere in what I do. I want to be honest. And I don't, I don't want to just force myself into the show business or anything else. Everything that I built until now was like little steps. You know, I... I was approved in one comedy club and in two and then four. And then I started to headline clubs uh, in cities in America. Now I am regular of some clubs that I have been following for a long time, like the Cellar and the Laugh Factory and the Improv clubs that, you know, I was watching on TV for my whole life. But my dream, uh, Stefan, was always to have a career and to be tested and respected in that uh, uh, between those guys, among those guys. And now I am among them. I am doing spots in the biggest clubs. So if I had to quit or I have, I don't know, an injury that I wouldn't be able to speak again, I would be pretty happy with what I already did in America. I did two JFLs, which is the, Just for last festivals, which is like the biggest uh, comedy festival in the world. So in these two years, a lot of cool things happen. And I hope I, I'm able to still doing what I was doing. Uh, this pandemic couldn't arrive in the worst timing because I was <laughs> like, I was, I was at the cellar. I was gaining, uh, like meeting people. I, it yeah. was perfect. It was, it was the right time for me. But unfortunately, that thing happened. I, I, yeah, it sucks that it happened and comedy is kind of in a coma right now. But like you said, I, I know you're saying that in English, in the US, you're not to the level of Louis C.K. or the legends up there. But I feel like in Brazil, you are considered to that caliber. And then coming here, it's so unique because it's like in this bubble, you are just the creme de la creme the top yeah. and then you go to another bubble and they don't really coincide too much they don't which is come together. awesome stefan I, which is awesome it's very humbling for me to go to new york sit down on, on the cellar where nobody knows me i know a few people a few comedians that i already had some type of uh, uh contact with Uh, I go up on stage, people have no idea who I am. So I'm, I feel free. I feel tested. Yeah. And I wanted to succeed. Because the thing is, I did everything that I wanted to do in Brazil. I'm not going to say that everything was a success. I failed sure. a lot. But I did what I wanted to do. I wanted to do a series, I did three. I wanted to do a movie, I did five. I wanted to have a talk show, I did for a little bit. I wanted to, you know, I, I wanted to do a little journalism and I do with this TV show called A Liga. So, you know, I did a lot of different things and I was like, what's the next challenge? 
I'm searching for challenges. Because, you know, okay, the talk show wasn't a success. I don't want to be fighting to have a successful TV show, to uh, to uh, talk show. Of course, I would love it if that was a success, but it didn't happen, which is okay, but I did. So I wanted to do something that tasked me in the highest level possible. And that's what I'm doing right now. It, uh, go up on stage with uh, the other day I was like waiting for my spot in the same table with Sarah Silverman and Dave Chappelle. And I was like, okay, I think it's, that means something, you know, that means something. Seriously. I, and it's so cool because I feel like what we really strive for, a lot of people are focused on these milestones of success, but growing and, and getting into these challenges and trying to achieve bigger and better things is, I feel like, what really makes us happy. And, and seeing the, you do and that. And that's, but Stefan, that's the thing, you know, you got to make yourself happy. Happiness is a choice that you make. I can't uh, depend on the happiness of others. So the thing that you said about me asking my audience, it's a very good research, but the last choice is always going to be mine. I can't be, people cannot dictate what I'm going to do because happiness is going to be my choice. It's kind of weird. If I was looking for success, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now because right. nobody knows what the seller means here in Brazil. People here don't know what I'm doing. Oh, he's doing shows at the last factory, he is like doing show. this. You know what? The, the, some people even think, oh, it's like that guy who puts his guitar and go try the, his life in Nashville. And he's, you know, he's like paying his dues and he's hungry, just with one meal a day, a Brazilian that is failing outside of Brazil. But I know that's not the case. But it's very difficult. You know what I'm talking about because you're an American and you like comedy. But it's very hard for me even to explain how big of a, a, a conquer that this is. How big of, how important what I'm doing. But that's what I'm saying. If I was uh, paying that much attention on what people want for me, or people view as success, I wouldn't be doing what make, makes me happy. Because, you know, the first show that I did, I remember, one of the first shows that I did in America, uh, I did like three or four shows, and I did one show at the Improv, Hollywood Improv, which is the home club for guys like uh, David Letterman, you know, Kevin Nealon, a lot of... Huge comedians. Uh, there's, there's so many names. And, uh, and the, the, that was the first time that I got paid, okay? In, you know, of course, in comedy clubs in America, they pay, they pay, they don't, they don't pay almost nothing, you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. For you to have an idea, good spots uh, in, uh, in, there's places like, I don't know, the Laugh Factory. Every time I step on stage on Laugh Factory, I get like, 50 bucks it, i've heard especially it's really bad in california too or la specifically where there are so everywhere. many comedians out Stephon, there it's just everywhere stefan everywhere yeah. if yeah. you're headlining a show and then you're gonna be get a percentage off the door 
which I already, which I got a few times already when I do shows like when I did Boston, when right. I did uh, uh, East Providence, when I did a lot of uh, like Columbus, Ohio. Then I get a percentage of the door. Then you get like $4,000, $5,000, you get $6,000. That, but when you do like spots in clubs, that's like $25, $50, oh, $100 right. at the right. most. Right. So the day, you know, it, it's not easy to get money. You need an audience to get good money. You have to build an audience. But what I was going to say is that, okay, first show that I got paid, that's what I was telling you about the different perspective of my success. I was so happy that I got paid for the first time because I knew that would be the first. But that was, you know, it was another step of my career. I was doing... I did one one spot, two spots. Then I get I got paid for the first time, and I got like ten dollars. But that was one bill, like just ten dollars. And I felt that that paper was important for me. You know, right? Is right. the is I know it's not much, it's nothing. But at the same time, I know this is gonna lead me to something. So I did this show, like I did this a video, very sincere, saying you know. I'm happy. It's the first time I'm getting paid. You know what happened? Three days after I did that video, that was like a big story in every website here in Brazil that I'm getting $10 for shows in, <laughs> in America. <laughs> and life is rough and I'm having a hard time. And, and <laughs> a lot of those people, you know, of course. And I, and I, I think that was, I particularly, I think that was funny. Because <laughs> they were like, you know, because they're not wrong. Yeah, I got $10. They're not wrong. But you should be like, next was, time, look, things are better. I have 20 this time. <laughs> <laughs> I got $10, bro. And then oh uh, a lot of people that uh, uh, voted on Bolsonaro, which uh, I'm always criticizing the president. They shared yes. the story. They created yeah. memes and stuff. That was funny. It was funny. But just for you to know, if I uh, if I got upset, I would think, you know what? Maybe I'm doing something wrong because I'm showing my country that I'm uh, uh, I'm failing. But that's why I was that's what I that's why I was saying to you, because happiness and uh, success it's your own perspective. You can be successful doing just a little bit as long as you're happy doing it. And that's what I'm doing right now. Now, see this. These words right here are why you are more influential than the Dalai Lama, I got to say. <laughs> see, the Dalai, Lama, the Dalai Lama would go back to Brazil. You know, he would quit comedy. That's why he's weak and he lost to me. <laughs> he would have been like, 10 fucking dollars. What's going on here? <laughs> I'm out of here. Fuck you. <laughs> totally. Oh, totally. God. Well, it's an absolutely amazing feat to be able to go to a different country, speaking another language and creating new material. I heard the, on the, um, on the Joe Rogan podcast, too, that you were saying back then, I can't remember when that aired, but or when you guys did it, but you do about 80% original content and then only 20% that you kind of now is 100%. Now, now is 100%. I do. I don't do I don't do jokes that are translated from Portuguese, because that's the challenge, you know. Translating jokes can work, yeah, they can. Some of them don't work, uh, 
others work. But the thing is, the challenge is building your material from scratch. I think that's from scratch. That's, you know, fucking killing it. Porra. Nice, nice, porra. <laughs> So, but that's the challenge, you know. I, I, I went there to test myself and to just translating jokes. I don't think that's, that I don't, I don't think that's fair to do it. Right, right. And why did you go to Curitiba? Why did you go there to work? No, I've never lived in Brazil before. I met my wife in Newark, in New Jersey. And we okay. ended up, we got married in Curitiba. I've been to Curitiba like... What was she doing? What, what, what was she doing in Newark? So, I'll tell you a long story to give you a simple answer. But she was an au pair. So, okay. we met at the right time where I was learning Portuguese And I wanted to get dive into that bubble. See, I had the same challenge where I was like, I want to meet Brazilians, but I just don't know how to, to penetrate that bubble. Uh -huh. And so what I ended up doing was Pen going on. What, what, what you ended up doing, you penetrated Brazil. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I want to penetrate the Brazilian community. Well, you got it. You got That's it, man. Exactly. Exactly. So I ended up going on online dating sites and I had no game in English. I would try a date and I'd be like, Hey, how are you? And no response. I, I don't think I'm that ugly. So, and, and I looked better no, than I had no. shorter hair. You, you, you weren't having, you didn't have any uh, game in English when you're chatting with Brazilians. No, no. With, with Americans. Oh, so the, The, the Tinder thing never worked for you. That's what you're saying. No, never until I switched to Portuguese on Brazilians. And then the, when I talked to the Brazilians, I'd be like, Oi, tudo bem. And then they'd be like, Ah, oh, que bonitinho, gringo que fala português. And then, then I would meet a lot of Brazilians. And then through that network, I met, I ended up meeting my now wife but so so no wait wait i'm, I'm yeah. curious so when you say the net when, through that net it means that you actually met brazilians you you, that you became friends with different brazilians through the dating thing oh i penetrated a lot yeah i mean it was a lot no. <laughs> oh. it was no it was I, i feel like the brazilian women were a lot more friendly were a lot more forthcoming and honest and there weren't as many games it seemed like to me so i ended up going i was the only uh, american guy going and dancing pagodi and samba at, on sunday nights and i was i was like atrapalhadão the big clumsy guy but uh -huh. i did it and then i ended up i ended up meeting my wife at that point and um oh to this point this is where it circles back but I had met and spoken with only women. So it was like, you know what Tarzan, he grows up with apes. So then he uh -huh. doesn't really speak English well, or he speaks like uh -huh. an ape. Uh -huh. I spoke like a woman. So like the first Brazilian guy that I met, I was like, Oi, ami Oi amigo, Oi querido, tudo bem? Like, hey, sweetie. And, and so, so my wife is like, You gotta, you can't speak like that. You gotta learn how to speak like a guy. So then I started trying to find role models or people that had more gerias or more slang like guys. And then I found Hafinha Bastos. 
and I think <laughs> I found you. We were watching Ultimate Beastmaster. Oh my and, god! And there was you and Anderson Silva, and uh-huh. uh, I was like, "Oh man, these guys are so cool!" And you were just so animated. And for those yeah. the listeners that don't know what Ultimate Beastmaster was, I think it was Sylvester Stallone put on this obstacle course that was international yeah. and there were like five yeah. or six countries it's like Italy, it's Brazil, like america it's like american ninja warrior on steroids for netflix exactly that's and, it and yeah. one of one of the best parts was they had two commentators from every country that was represented and i even yeah. i looked re- when i googled it the other day and you were the first commentator that's listed the Americans even got pushed to the side because I think oh, yeah? you were the most entertaining and like going in other boxes and stuff. It they was... loved me. They loved me. The thing, but let me tell you something. That that's very specific. You don't watch the Ultimate Beast Master. The thing is, we have like there's different hosts from every country, and we interact. So there's like a competition between hosts. But the thing about going to other booths, that was. Me, I created that thing. That wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> so I was the first one who just left my booth and went to other people's booth. <laughs> and they love it. They love it. Next season, they even like, they built booths with like passages between each other so we can, so hosts can go to other booths. <laughs> so it became a dynamic. That was an amazing show. I would love them to do another season. But that was so expensive for them and to build the whole structure and stuff. Uh, so I don't think that's going to happen. It was expensive, man. Wow. God. So they had, you know, can you imagine? They, they were like, they, there was people from seven different countries. So can you imagine like 10 competitors for every country and hosts for every it's it was like a mess they spent a lot of money on that show where by the way where was it located was it in the u.s yes it was uh close to los angeles in santa clarita or something okay it was like a city close to la in the north of california yeah okay nice so then you went so she was from Curitiba. so did you guys marry in order for her to get a green, a green card yeah so we ended up i ended up proposing to her exactly a year after our first kiss because i had fallen in love with her she, i knew she was the love of my life this sounds super cheesy and i it know is, she's listening love it you is. babe but <laughs> but i then we ended up getting married and we got did you say that did you did you say that she was the love of your life just because she's listening Definitely not. Okay. okay. No, okay. Okay. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. So uh, so we ended up we ended up getting married in the civil here in Arizona and then we ended up getting married in the church in Curitiba cuz her okay. parents are very catholic, my parents uh-huh. are very catholic. So we had the big celebration and that's where my family went to Brazil for the first time and met her parents. Neither one spoke the other's language so we were translators big time and i so also so your family uh went to curitiba for the marriage as well they they traveled to curitiba they did they did 
And we even were going to have some relatives because I have cousins in Italy too, and they were going to come over, but the Zika virus was there at the time. Uh, So they ended up staying back, but it was, there was a lot of alcohol. My, my soul guru, my father-in-law, he Uh is a big, like from Santa Catarina, he's a big Shuhasku guy. Like lots uh-huh, of meat, uh-huh. lots of beer. So everyone got drunk. And so everyone was able to communicate with each other. And then That's we, cool, yeah, it was a lot of fun. But I remember my parents, because I think I had heard you on another pod- podcast saying Americans, they're not really good with the, the inyo and oh, si. yeah. and my, my mom, I overheard her because I was serving the meat and I heard her talking with my wife and mother-in-law and my mom just from over there she goes gmanya eo ghost would you come pow and i was like oh god which no. for, you, for those of you that don't speak portuguese in pow is dick pão is bread so she said i love to eat dick in the morning instead of i love to eat bread in the morning eu gosto de um pão na minha boca todo dia <laughs> Oh my god, that's horrible, bro. So you never yeah. want your mother to say such a thing. That's the last thing I wanted my mom to say. God, but and she her that's smile. That's cool, man. So smile. and then you move to and then you move to Arizona. Now that's that's awesome, bro. I'm, I'm I would love you if you guys were in New York because you know what? Me and my girl we live there. We have no friends. We don't know oh. anyone. There's no one around. It's so difficult, man, in New York. People are so distant. It's very difficult to have, like, close uh, relationships with people because people is working. People are always busy. Oh, I can't count how many times I try to go, you know, and have a coffee with another friend or something. And he was like, oh, okay, I can do in five weeks. Or something like that. <laughs> Holy fuck. Yeah. He, he he directs you to his assistant and then his assistant says, okay, five it's weeks. It's almost be like that. Yeah. It's all in Brazil. You just ask the person, what are you doing? I'm oh, nothing. I'm going to go to your house. That's how we do it. So that's why I understand people like in New York, Brazilians that live there, who live there. That's why they don't get used to the whole culture and they go back to Brazil after a while. Because it's difficult, man. It's not difficult. Some uh, that's why Brazil is so fascinating because people are so open, but at the same time, of course, it can get a little annoying sometimes. Mm-hmm. But also, mm-hmm. but it's very difficult for Brazilians to get used to the American life. They go there to get to work a little, and they go back mm-hmm. to their country. That always happen. Yeah, it's it, it's a shame because I love Brazilians, not just the ones I dated, but the 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 culture everybody's so open everybody is just like you said it's a very embracing culture where yeah. people are so happy despite the circumstances and shitty situations that are over there in brazil not all of them of course totally. but you know it's i i it's still a third world country so there's there's still some problems that mm-hmm. i feel hopefully optimistic that things will get better but um, does your girlfriend does your wife know any of the girls that you hooked up a long time ago uh yes she does she does is this, <laughs> that's cool so is is this is this an issue no 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 i was upfront about it but well she she kind of knew about some 
And then I was up front about, I was like, here's the, the roster. The whole here's, picture. <laughs> here's, the, yeah. here's like the map of who's connected to whom. And then, um, okay. but yeah, cool. yeah, she knew. But but anyway, I, I wanted to turn it back because you did mention that Brazil Open. I was also thinking of you being a pioneer of, of comedy and stand-up in Brazil and how it, I imagine that you and a lot of the other guys that formed it and everybody that's emerging as stand-ups, there's a camaraderie there. Or is it competitive like it is here? Because it seems like here it's just no, ultra Not that much. Brazil okay. is much better. I think uh, there's, there's different generations of comedians here in Brazil. I think right. my generation, which was the first group of guys who did stand-up, we kept doing shows together for a short period of time. Because what happened was when stand-up became something, we all got opportunities on TV and doing series and talk shows. We all got our chances. So we didn't, we, we were not hanging that much after a little bit because we were all busy building our careers because we couldn't just you know uh forget about the the opportunities that were coming up and doing shows a few of them even quit stand-up for a short period of time and i did for like a year or even a year and a half because i was busy with tv i was doing two different tv shows it was difficult for me so we still have a relationship. There are a few of those guys, still very good friends of mine, but we were not like doing shows every week or anything like that. The new generation of guys, the new group of guys, they are very close to each other. They are, they are, they are very close. They are friends and you can see that they do shows together. There are a lot of different groups of comedians. The same thing that we did in, in the beginning. We used to do... Uh, a show in a group of like five guys, like two women and and three men. We used to do shows together. They are doing the same thing now. So the scene is hot again. I'm just curious to see what's going to happen after the pandemic because a lot of comedy clubs closed. I want to mm. see what's what's going what's gonna to be. Nice, nice. And... <clears throat> I know it is more competitive here, but I also, I, I had uh, Jade Catapreta on the podcast as well. Uh -huh. and she was telling me a little bit about her adventures in Brazil and how you helped her where she, that was the first time she'd gone back to Brazil in 20 years. And she was telling me it was a little rough transitioning and doing stand up in Portuguese. Yeah. But Jade, Jade is a very good friend and she helps me a lot in America. First spots that I got, first people that I met. Some of those people that are still my friend were introduced by Jade. She was, she was very, she is still very important uh, uh, to me. Not only because she's a good friend, because she's a very good colleague. And I did, I helped her a lot in Brazil. I, I took her to radios and TV shows and, uh, and I did shows with her. And I think for her, translating from English to Portuguese was much harder than it is, mm. than it was for me translating to English because of two things, not because of the language, because of our styles of comedy. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think, and that, that's the main thing It's the style of comedy. The, 
Yeah, and also the language, of course, because the thing is, Americans, they are used to see people talking English with different accents and some broken English uh, when they go to 7-Eleven to buy a sandwich. They are used to talk with people that doesn't, you know, they don't domino English. I don't know how they... Domino oh, they don't English. dominate or they, they're not they dominate. super, super fluent. They're not super fluent. They are, they are used to... So when you listen to someone speaking English and you, and you think, oh, that person is a foreigner, it's already... You, it, it even makes a little funnier for them. Oh, there's someone... Not only... Not, I don't think it's funnier, but oh, this guy is different. So let yes. me figure out yes. what it is. As long as I'm understanding what he's saying, it's mm-hmm. already enough. For an American to speak Portuguese with an accent, it's a thing. You know, it's a thing. It's a thing. Like, oh, it's funny or it's weird. Or in her case, it's even worse because she is Brazilian. And when she speaks Portuguese, she has an accent. Mm. So it looks, it sounds a little cocky. Ah. A little arrogant. Oh, oh, she can. Oh, look at look at her. It's, it's you know, looks a little. Yes, that's what that's what I felt. I don't know if she felt the same. It's more like when you miss when you when you when you mess up a word or anything, it looks like you're impersonating a gringa because she speaks very good Portuguese, and all of a sudden she messes up a word or two. You know. So it's not like she, you is speaking English. When you speak English, I can, I, I automatically understand. You speak very good Portuguese, but you're not Brazilian. Right. For right. her, no, she doesn't, doesn't have that much accent and the way she say the R's and the L's. So it's different. And also, I think, the, but, I, but I think the most important thing is I write my jokes. Everything that I do on stage I write, I research, I change words, and I have to memorize everything when I go up on stage. So when I am memorized, that's when I sound fresh. If I'm not memorized, then I'm like looking for words and I am searching on my brain, how do I say this or that? And then I feel stuck. If I memorize, I can play with the silence. I can do my pauses. I can breathe. So that's what I do. I memorize everything. And I practice in front of the mirror. The way Jay does comedy, she is more free spirit. And she talks and she has her jokes, but she doesn't know exactly what she, how she's going to say it. So that's when it looks a little uh, stiff. Or kind of weird because she is losing jokes. Oh, she's not. Oh, she missed this one. Oh, she missed that one. Because that's the way she does in English. And in English, it's perfect. She kills in English. Mm-hmm. But in Portuguese, she tried to be loose. And it looks like she's searching for words in her brain. So it's that's difficult. I see. Yeah, that, that makes total sense that you to explain it like that. The... 
it, what I've seen for America, because there aren't that many Americans that speak Portuguese, but the ones that do, I think what's funny about them is they might not necessarily be trying to be funny, but they might, you see a lot of videos where the girlfriend is filming them saying, oh, read this line, or they're trying to say something and they, they mess up. I don't know how it would be in a stand-up setting because I think when they're when they're messing up words, it's funny. And so if you're going up there, you're not really trying to mess up words or um, things like that. So it's it, and Jade, I think, is a very unique case where I think you articulated it very well. She is from Brazil, but she's been out, so she speaks fluently. She's got a little yeah. bit of an accent, and then when she says some words it, with an accent or messes up it might seem pretentious or um yeah pretentious cocky. not arrogant pretentious that's the word yeah yeah and also when you have an accent and you're i think you'll have to make fun of your accent of your upbringing of the fact that you are i don't know the way that you speak and misunderstanding in the language you have to do this just a little bit to show people who you are. And if she had done that, I think the result would be different. I wouldn't say she did bad, but you could see that it wasn't easy for her. Right, right. She exactly. did good. She did good. But that's the thing. You have to focus. You have to sit down and write jokes in Portuguese about you, about the fact that you are not Brazilian. There's a few foreigners doing stand-up here. I saw the other day a video of this girl from China doing it. And it's funny because you could see she kind of dominates the, uh, the words that she says. And it's funny the fact that she doesn't speak perfectly and the little mistakes that she does. The thing that she just said about pow and pão. Those yeah. little things can be funny for us, you know? Yeah. So you got to do it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Uh, it, and it's so cool that you helped Jade too. And it's awesome that she returned the favor when you were going to the US. And I know on the Flow podcast, you said that you had also hooked up with Kevin Nealon, which that's amazing, where he said it seemed like you guys had good chemistry. So he was also helping you out a little bit and... I'm I'm at the cellar today because of him. That's that's because of him. Wow. He wow. He made a connection for me with the 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 oh, owner of the Noam? cellar. Noam, yeah. He sent a oh. message to Noam saying, "Oh, Rafinha is going to be in New York. He's a very good comedian from Brazil." And then I went there. And then I, I, I did like five minutes or eight minutes. And then I went back to L.A. I was living in L.A. at the time. So I decided to move to New York. I was so fascinated by the whole salad thing. So I decided to go back to New York to, to try it out. And uh, it, it was crazy because when I sent him a message, Noah, which is the, the owner of the cellar, yeah, he said to me, oh, I... I heard you did great. That's so cool. Congratulations. I was like, oh, cool. How, how do I become a, a regular here? And he was, oh, that's a completely different beast. That's, <laughs> I'm not the one who decides. You have to, to go through Esty. Yes. Esty is the booker. And she is 
known by the comedy community everywhere in the country. People respect her a lot. There's even like, uh, I read the other day, like Seinfeld is afraid of her. People are afraid of her because she can, you know, just take her spots out. People are, and, and I was like, you know, okay, I talked to Esty. I didn't know. I just treat her like I'm like a person. That's, you know, that's. Yeah. And, and then I went talk to her and I said, you know, I, no one told me to talk to you. And she was like, yeah, but someone told me about you before. Let me see. And then she started to look on her emails. And Kevin Nealon had sent, uh, he opened, he made me a regular at this club in LA called the Comedy Magic which is okay. my home club in LA. It's an amazing comedy club. When I went to New York, the booker of the Comedy Magic sent Esty an email. So Neelan made me a regular at the Comedy Magic and then the Comedy Magic, Richard, which is like an angel for me. He sent mm -hmm. her a message saying that I was in New York wow. and that she should test me because I was great. And then... When I talked to her, she was like, okay, can you come back in like two hours to that to do an audition for me? I was like, yeah, okay, of course. And then I did the audition. I was like, that was that was that was one of very special day in my life when I auditioned at the cellar. Because you know, just to audition there is something that a few people have a chance to do. It's not just you present yourself and then you have an audition. You have you have like people have to refer to you, people have to send her messages. Some people, you know, any not only like anyone that is a regular there, like the big names have to refer to you, and that's and then I did an audition and I passed, bro. It was it was it was so cool. And I God. saw her while I was doing my set, she was laughing. It was crazy, man. God it was that... it was it was a special night. That that really is special because I remember my first, the first time I ever saw live stand up comedy was at the Comedy Cellar, and oh, some yeah? friends, had, yeah, they dragged us along, and then we ended up getting to see. I think Neil Brennan was on. There was somebody else. Then uh, Aziz Ansari just surprised us, and so did Chris cool. Rock, and he came on, and I was like, oh, "What cool. the fuck?" So then I go and I start listening to the podcast called Live at the Comedy Cellar with Noah. Uh -huh. And uh -huh. he also has Dan Natterman, who is a co-host. And then Dan, uh, that is a, that is awesome. Such a such a great guy. He is awesome. so he, he is loves so funny. Brazil. He loves Brazil. He knows where is Belo Horizonte. I don't know how he knows it, but he does. <laughs> He's an awesome guy. He's an awesome guy. That's amazing. But no, that's really in the podcast. They talk about the process of comics going up. And just like you said, they got to go through Esty, the booker, and she's really tough. So the yeah. fact that you were able to accomplish that, you know, through connections, but also through talent, because oh, you got to be funny. Was, if I, if I wasn't, funny. if I wasn't good and if my audition was bad, bro, she wasn't, she wasn't even going to say hi or bye-bye to me after the show. That's what people said. You know, you know, a lot of people audition and not everybody gets in. And so that's that's huge. And yeah. I was like, oh fuck. Yeah, exactly. So it's crazy because it's crazy because everything that you're saying, like you're listening to the, the podcast and everything else, I knew the seller was important. 
but I didn't know if I have if I had that notion on how important that place was. I know it's an awesome club, it's an amazing club, but now that I am there, I'm always like, wow, bro, that's that's so cool. Yeah. On my audition, the, the day of my audition, uh, I did between Todd Berry, which is a comedian that I love. <laughs> Shit. He's awesome. He's a great guy, too. He's fun. He's, he's a, ve- a very cool guy. Between Todd Berry and Sarah Silverman. And I remember that I was waiting for my, my, my time. And this guy, which is, for me, he is one of the five best stand-up comedians ever. He is not that famous. His name is Gary Gulman. Oh, Gary yeah. Gulman. Yeah. If you don't, you know him. If you know, if people, if you're listening to this and you're still listening, because I'm pretty sure there's, there's like maybe half of the audience just left before we start being so specific in comedy, but fuck it. I don't care. No, okay. no. It's, this is, uh, um, that's what this podcast is about. We get the comedians. Okay. So we've got some okay. hardcore fans. Okay, cool. So Gary Goldman to me was always like my top five. And uh, and I did a, a few gigs with him, and I, and b- before I, I I step on stage, he just grabbed me by my arm, saying, "Are you gonna do an audition now, Rafi?" And I'm gonna be, and I said, "Yeah, that's gonna be my audition." And he said, "I watched you like a lot of times. You're gonna do well. You're gonna kill it. Don't worry. It's all gonna nice. be good. You're gonna have fun, and this is gonna be." piece of cake to you don't even worry and i was like oh that's so cool the guy that i admire so much just say you know fucking go there and kill it it's so so i was a little anxious and i was like if this guy thinks i'm I'm good he didn't say that i was good he said you're gonna kill it but if he said it you know fuck it that's i'm gonna it's gonna it's gonna work that's awesome And, and you know it's it's so true when i went there it was like every single joke every punchline it was like 15 seconds laugh 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 for every single person up there and mm-hmm. from the podcast they were saying too no one was like i i count it by laughs if you're showing laughs you're here performing but if you're not up to snuff or you if you're not meeting that quality then you're out and so i think it's just such a huge achievement and i that that's awesome that you you got in because that's a big accomplishment and a way they to be like i'm funny i'm Funny enough to be at the cellar. So. Bro, I am the only guy. I think I am the only. Uh, I don't know how many Latin guys we have there. Most of the Latinos there, they are from uh, uh, like the Dominican Republic or. Yeah. yeah. Probably there's a guy, there's one guy I think is from Cuba, but like from south there's no one from south america there so it means something you know it means something oh god that is super cool so i wanted to ask you one more question and then we're going to get into the self-help port this is a self-help podcast so we've got some questions that some fans have brought in that we're going to answer they're horrible questions so we can answer them just as horribly shitty questions but was going to ask you one last thing about (laughs) the translation and and 
memorization of of your material. So I was going to ask, is it a, still a challenge to be able to think off the bat? Because for me, just being a, a speaking Portuguese and things like that, it's really hard to think right off the cuff of, okay, this someone speaking to me in Portuguese, I got to respond back in Portuguese. When you're uh -huh. up there, you have your memorized material. So it, it's a little more comfortable to be thinking of. But the yeah, crowd of course, work... if, course, if someone just like start to scream or has a weird laugh or someone just drop a plate or a glass, I have to acknowledge. Uh, yeah, I have to do it. But it's difficult. It's difficult. When I have to go out out of my script. What I do sometimes is I just talk to the person just a little bit, just to acknowledge what's going on. Even for people to see that I am on, that I'm not just fucking doing a material and I'm not paying attention to what's happening. But, uh, but it's difficult, man. It's not easy to improvise. It's not easy at all to improvise. Because when I am on stage and something happened, my instinct is to respond in a funny way, but there's layers here. You know, the first, the first idea, it's like I have a part of my brain that is, that is translating what I'm going to say. The other half of my brain is thinking on the joke. So that, it's a lot, man. I couldn't, I couldn't do improv in English, I think. Mm -hmm. It would be very difficult. It would be very difficult. Like even us having a conversation, okay? Uh, there's probably if you if we were speaking in Portuguese, there will be probably a lot of different uh, places in our conversation that I would be making jokes or making fun or anything like that. But in English, it's not that difficult because there's a part of your brain, like a, a huge part of your brain, that is already uh, busy doing other work. You know, that's the thing. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's you, but hey, you're hilarious as is in English. I think you're you're doing amazing. And it, as much as I can coming. memorize, as much as I can memorize my jokes, I'm always gonna do well. <laughs> it's all good. That's so funny. Uh, I did. I also memorized the intro when I called you Chigrão. I was asking my wife too. I was like, "That's not a sexual thing, right?" It's it's like, dude. And she's like, "Yeah, yeah it's okay. It's okay." And I was <laughs> like, okay. "But I." I can't call a girl a chigrona, right? A big. She's like, no, you probably shouldn't. No, you should. <laughs> you should. <laughs> well, now that I am your friend, I can say I wouldn't call other guys chigrão as well. Oh shit! Me, really? I am a comedian. I couldn't care less. But if you say to someone that doesn't have a sense of humor, "Hi, chigrão," it sounds a little gay. Damn it! It's better than querido, but it's not quite. No, no, like... no, no, no! I call, I called querido. I, I, I called a lot, querido. Okay. What? Okay. E aí, querido, tudo beleza? There's no problem, querido. But chigrão, a little gay. Oh shit! Okay. What is what? <laughs> is it like cara mano? What's a good way to say it? Cara. E aí, cara. Okay. E aí, meu irmão. Hi, brother. What's up, brother? That's something that I, I, I always call people Manu or Irmão. But when I went to America, I started to call everybody brother. And then my girl told me, you're calling black people brother 
And that can look a little weird for some people. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't know that. I, I call everybody brother. What's up, brother? And then and she said, you know, it can, it, it can look a little weird for you to call other like black people brother because mm -hmm. they are not actually your brother. I was like, yeah, I know. They're not my brother. <laughs> you're, Nobody. You're like, I get it. You don't, <laughs> have, you don't have to tell me he's not my brother. Every, I know he's not my brother. It's impossible for him to, have, to be my brother. It's oh, impossible for anyone to be my brother. I just have one sister. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think you have to pay that much attention on the relatives relation. Brother, it's okay, brother. Yeah. My yeah. my girl calls me daddy sometimes and I'm not her daddy. <laughs> so fuck it. You know. Uh, next time she calls she, next time she 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 says fuck me daddy, I'll be like no, I'm sorry. I am 43 years old, you're 32 and I don't think that's 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 not even possible. I'm sorry. <laughs> This is just not realistic what we're stating. Not realistic here. at all at all. At all. <laughs> <laughs> Now, is your girlfriend, is she Brazilian or is she American? She she was born in Brazil, uh, okay. she, but she left Brazil when she was four years old. She lived in Ecuador until she was 18, and then she went to America, and she's living in America since she was 18 years old. Oh, wow. So does she speak yeah. Portuguese still or probably oh, Portuguese, not? Like, like me, like me. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Because okay. her family mother and father and sister they all speak only portuguese no okay. they speak another other languages but at home they always spoke, spoke portuguese got it where was she from in brazil belo horizonte ah belo horizonte okay she's from belo horizonte yeah nice nice well rafi this was awesome i feel more wise than if i would have interviewed the dalai lama so thank you that's why that's why i'm here my friend to to bring you light <laughs> and to all of our listeners they're thanking you i'm sure as well but we're gonna go into the self-help portion of the podcast and this okay. is where we're gonna answer some questions but before we get into it i usually like to bring a quote a motivational quote to help inspire okay. us before i get into my quote that i've brought do you have any quotes or inspirational quotes that help get you through your dark days or Uh, no, my friend, I don't have like quotes that I can think of right now. Even I in Portuguese? I masturbate. <laughs> I, masturbate. I play basketball. I don't, I, I don't think there's quotes. If I think about one quote, I'll, I'll, I'll say it to you. You know what? Uh, uh, just do it might be a good one to the things that you just do. Just do it. Basketball, masturbate. You've got Masturbation. To... You got to do it. <laughs> That's my man. Oh, that's great. All right. Well, good. We've got a nice, good one. We've also got an inspirational quote that I have. It's not by a person. It's actually by a robot. And okay. it's called Inspirobot. So what it does is it takes some of the wisest words known to man, and it uses uh -huh. artificial intelligence to mash them together for oh, an inspirational quote. Okay. What's the sentence? So the sentence crafted by Inspirobot is... Hunger is usually followed by blindness. Hunger is usually followed by blindness. It's got some mystery to it, I feel, right? Maybe? 
What, 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 what do you understand on the, what, what is your interpretation? So my first interpretation, I think this could have been a metaphor where it's like hunger. If you are hungry to succeed, hungry for the next challenge, then you pursue that and then you continue that path and you are blind to everything that's outside of that. So yes. distractions. Okay. Yeah, exactly. But then Person. I also thought, I don't know if Inspirebot's that smart. Maybe it's also, if you get so hungry, you might just go blind because you, you, won't, you, won't, you, won't, you won't get enough nutrition. Please so. eat. You're going to lose your nutrition. <laughs> don't fucking do this. The, this intermittent fasting thing, it's going to kill you. Yes, yes. Inspirebot is against intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting. You will go blind. Oh, God. Um, all right. Well, now that we're nice and inspired, we'll go into some questions. This first question, it's actually from Reddit, and it's found by my fan, Trevor. Thank you, Trevor. Okay. It says, my 12-year-old daughter is an asshole. Every morning, my 12-year-old daughter is an asshole, but only for like 17 minutes as she wakes up. <laughs> Then she is sweet and amazing the rest of the day. Wonderful kid who is so fun to be with and amazing with other people. Obedient and helpful and well-liked by everyone. But for 17 minutes in the morning, I want to push her down a set of stairs. Please help. <laughs> I love how specific this is. 17 minutes 17 of minutes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. Now, is she it, hungry? Because if she's hungry, she maybe it's blind to people around her. <laughs> give, give her fucking food, bro, because you're fucking killing this girl. That's oh a smart idea. So when right when you wake her up, don't set off the alarm or anything. Just be like, hey, the bowl of cereal, pass it by her body and then just say, yes. hey, baby. And then she'll eat it and then she won't be <laughs> yeah. hungry. Yes, anymore. perfect. Perfect. That's, that's the answer. Oh, perfect. All right. We're going to go on to the next question. This is from our fan, Anne. She found it on Reddit. Thank you, Anne. She says, is it weird to give strangers gifts? I'm pretty good at making carvings out of wood, and I'm tempted to give one of my projects to this girl at the library. Do you think I should? Hmm. What do you think? No. I think no. Why? I because I feel if, if I was to give a girl, you know, my bad luck with American girls, Rafi. So if okay. I go and give an American girl a wood carving of, I don't know, I don't know what I would carve my dick or like <laughs> a basketball and be like, hey, I made this for you. She might be really creeped out. <laughs> yeah. What so. I think is give her gifts. I think it's amazing to give people gifts. But not wood carving. That gift sucks. <laughs> yeah, don't give her a shitty gift. Give her a don't good gift. Don't give her a shitty Yeah, give her a good <laughs> gift. Fucking spend some money. I don't <laughs> know. I don't know. It's, it's a shitty gift. Shitty gift sucks. Yeah. invest Just like you invest in your dreams, invest in the women that you would like to pursue. Or strangers. Oh. I don't know. Don't give. Would you give your mother that shitty gift? No. So don't give it no. to a stranger. Exactly. All right. Moving on. This is our last question. It's from Reddit and it's found by our fan Bryony. It says, I feel guilty for killing spiders. 
I killed a lot of spiders recently because I'm going through a lot of house cleaning. I probably killed like 15 of them in the past two days. Some babies, some adults. I know it might sound dumb, but I feel guilty because they are innocent. And now I feel like crying about how horrible I am for killing them. And it makes me feel like I don't even have the right to say I love animals. Is it true that it makes me a bad human being? And how do I get rid of this guilty feeling? Oh, I, I've never come across this dilemma before. I just kill them and move on. But I think it's clear that you, if you do this, you're a terrible human being. <laughs> oh, I don't think yeah. that's a good reference for this guy. Yeah. I, I wouldn't kill. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't kill the baby spiders. That's a little too much. Let them just leave. That's, you know, killing babies. And I had some problems with jokes with babies. So I don't, I don't know, you know. Which is a long story and people have to research about it. <laughs> yes, we won't get into that part here. But to that, that you know what? See, this is the true character of Rafi Bastos. Loves babies. Won't even kill a baby spider. A baby spider. spider. Now, not even a baby spider, my friend. The world needs to know that. Because the world thinks I'm a baby eater. But I'm not. <laughs> I'm preserving even even the insects. That's how good I am as a human being, my friend. A saint. Yeah. I, I bet the you world. the fucking Dalai Lama probably kills the baby spiders. Of course he does. That's why he's behind me in the rankings. <laughs> Goddamn. Well, I, you know what? Fu- wouldn't, wouldn't it be funny if the, the Dalai Lama was like, you, you meet him and you find out that he's a fucking asshole. That would be so surprising. Oh my god! Can you imagine? Like he says something, he he hits on your girl. He tries to fuck your girl. He's like an asshole. I could never imagine the Dalai Lama would do such a thing. That would be so surprising. You know what? Maybe he's just hungry. Maybe it's that seventeen minutes in the day. He's blind. He's, he's blind. He's blind. He's, he's blind. He's blind. All right. Well, that is the last question. So we've arrived at the end of the podcast. So first off. Rafi, I just wanted to say a huge thank you. This was hugely entertaining for me and I'm sure for all the audience. So first off, thank you. To me as well, my friend. It was a pleasure. And uh, I would ask people to follow me on Instagram. Now that I'm trying to build this audience in English, just go to Instagram and follow me at Rafi Comedy. R-A-F-I Comedy. That's my Instagram. If you watch our chats, just send me a message. I would love to, to have you on my my following list yes absolutely and there will be a link to his instagram in the show notes is there is there anything else that you want to plug or that you've got going on rafi uh not now my friend i would love uh if you can send me food that would be awesome because i'm a little hungry it's rafi's it's not easy rafi's close to going blind blind. i'm blind (laughs) (laughs) i'm blind that's it Thank you, my uh, friend. It was a pleasure. It was nice. I'm thanks. sorry. I would love you if you live in New York, in Newark, so we could be friends. But I'll go to Arizona and visit you one day. I promise. Oh God, it was really, really fun to talk to you. I was, I didn't know what to expect, but you're a blast. I'm, I'm a good guy, my friend. I don't look like it. I look like an asshole, but I'm not. No, you're a good guy in every podcast and everything <laughs> that I've heard you on. So then I was afraid that this was going to be the one where you're just like. Uh, I'm tired. Oh, this like, guy. Oh, this guy. 
three o'clock in the morning. Oh, fuck this guy. Now is... it's time for me. Now it's time for me to show my true colors now. Who, yeah, who is this asshole that's calling me a chigrão? Like, <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with him? <laughs> when you called me a chigrão, I was like, okay. I, 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 you, got, you, you got my heart there. Because I was like, I know that Stefan is making an effort. But that's, that's enough. That's enough. That means a lot. That means a lot. I know he learned this word probably today so it's awesome awesome he's making an effort it's good oh my god well well thank you i really appreciate that and um we'll talk soon you have a good night you too man take care brother thank you too bye-bye